everyone, and welcome to this episode of CargoFacts Connect, the podcast and video series of CargoFacts, the newsletter of record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm Charles Kaufman, Senior Editor, and this is our weekly wrap for what's happening in the industry this week. Before we begin, I'd like to thank our sponsors and advertisers, 321 Precision Conversions, Anchorit International, AEI, C-Cubed Aerospace, EFW, IPR Conversions, and ULDRentals.com. I'm pleased to be joined today by Jeff Lee, our associate editor. It is April 16th, 2021, and here are the biggest news items from our editorial team this week. So this week we had a story on ASEANA, a South Korean-based carrier, um, selling a, a 747-400 freighter that had been converted from combi configuration to an all-cargo configuration by Israel Aerospace Industries in 2007. Uh, it was an earlier vintage airframe, so quite old for even a, a freighter conversion. Uh, and, and the unit appears to uh, be destined for Western Global Airlines. And while Western Global hasn't made clear its plans for the aircraft, uh, which had been sitting in the desert since 2017, uh, we, we, we can see that engines are being brought into place um, so that the uh, aircraft can take to the skies again. Uh, which for an old freighter like this is really a recurring narrative that has played out repeatedly during the pandemic, isn't it, Jeff? It definitely is. And I mean, it's interesting because we don't know exactly, well, we don't always know with all of these reactivations when exactly things were initiated, whether that's, you know, remarketing the aircraft for sale, for lease, or securing the parts needed to, to reactivate it. Um, and we know these things can take a while, but we, I guess we started, first started seeing signs of, of these reactivations around March, April last year. And it's, when it comes to the actual aircraft, it's been very diverse. I mean, we, in the case of Atlas, for example, some of their, well, four of their 747s had only been stored for a couple of months. But on the other end of the spectrum, we had, uh, three that was stored for seven years in the case of uh, national airlines. Um, but, you know, in any case, it's, it is still happening. And the fact that it is happening means that the market's obviously strong enough to support it. And I don't think we've, we've seen the last of these reactivations yet. Yeah, that's fair. And then by your, by your estimates, how many more 747 400s are sitting in the desert and you know how many of those could we potentially see reactivated in, in the coming months there really aren't that many left um the ones we do know of and think are likely to be reactivated um are well one there's the act airlines aircraft that was that had a tail strike last february um and they had previously expected it to, to be ready for service at the end of, of 2020, but we now know that they intend to have it in service by around May. Uh, and there are also signs that an EVA air 747-400 BDSF that has been parked in the desert is now being prepared for return to service using parts from a Lufthansa 747, passenger 747-400. And of course, we have the two China Airlines production freighters, 
um, that are still parked. But I, I mean, I, I do think we will be seeing those on the move soon. Um, and, you know, speaking of 747s, there's potentially an exciting development um, in the works, but I'll just uh, leave it at that for now. But um, going back to the point about why carriers feel comfortable with these reactivations, I mean, um, I mean, and interestingly enough, most of the players reactivating freighters, certainly 747 freighters, don't have major passenger operations, if at all. And, you know, it's really just a case of not having a choice at all, um, given the, the level of uncertainty in, in the passenger market. I mean, so it's, you know, they, it's, but on that, in that respect, it's not that surprising. No, that, that's a good point. I mean, there, there are few alternatives, um, particularly on, on some of those longer haul lanes where uh, freighter capacity has, has always um, you know, delivered the, the majority of, um, of, of air cargo along the lane. Um, but still, the, the, you know, there, there was some reliance on, on belly hold capacity. Um, and although we've, we've seen some promising indicators uh, from from OAG and, and just by looking at passenger flight schedules, at least on the domestic side, um, you know, comparing summer schedules to, um, you know, 2020, 2019, uh, 2019 in particular, um, you know, there, there are some, some positive signs, um, you know, particularly Mexico, um, South Korea and, and China obviously have, um, have, have, been consistently doing pretty well um, some of the other um, Asian countries in Asia. Um, but on the, the long haul side, I mean, there even the more optimistic forecasts um, that I've seen don't really uh, you know, predict a, a return of uh, long haul uh, passenger seats and, and um, you know, subsequently air cargo capacity in the belly hold for you know, at least one to two years. Uh, and so what's, what's interesting is at, at the moment, you know, there, there really, there really aren't many other options on the market, right? Uh, we do have the 777-300 ERSF, the, the freighter converted three, uh, 777, um, you know, which is, uh, you know, IEI is, is, is working on at the moment. Uh, but even there, uh, we're looking at 2023 at the earliest, uh, and most of those initial re-delivery slots are are allocated to to GCAS, um, some of which are already uh, promised to operators like Kalita Air. And until then, there's there's nothing but the triple seven. Again, um, you'd be hard pressed to to order and and um, or or find one of those available on on the market. So, you know, even though an operator or any, any wide body operator could, could make the economics of a 777 production freighter work in today's market. Many general cargo carriers uh, don't have the, the network or scale necessary to get the utilization out of the aircraft to, to operate it profitably. So they're looking to other types, um, you know, potentially the 
777 or ERSF or, or used freighters if, if they do eventually become available. But that's, that's partially why we're seeing reactivations today. Even of uh, 747 classics, for example. But, um, you know, speaking of the 777 freighter conversion, the, that prototype aircraft actually made a, you know, a fly past as part of uh, Israel's Independence Day celebrations um, just, you know, yesterday, I think. But that's probably the last time, one of the last times it will uh, be flying in, in its current form, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I sure hope so, at least. Uh, the, um, uh, the expected induction date uh, for that aircraft is, uh, is in June, so um, just over a month out from, from today. Uh, and I, I mentioned earlier this week that they had completed the critical design review for its 777-300 ERSF um, program. So uh, yeah, it's, it's time to actually uh, cut metal and, and, and start the conversion process. Yeah, and uh, it should be on the ground in the hangar for, for some time. But you, we were talking about the, the cost of acquiring and operating 777 production freighters, um, and that being a barrier for some you know, lower utilization operators. But when it comes to the 777-300ERSF, obviously the, the economics get, you know, a bit more interesting and, and different, don't they? Well, yes, um, certainly, uh, you know, an, an aircraft that is, um, you know, at a midlife stage, um, you know, 15 to, to 20 years or so um, with, with um, you know, potentially engines with with low cycles remaining that that, uh, that is a very different economic picture compared to a new build production freighter uh, so I, I spoke to mark Halsor, uh an appraiser uh, earlier this week and you know we're, we're currently looking at, at feedstock uh, in the range of um, you know 20 to 30 million dollars uh, now you add that to um, conversion costs uh, around 30 million dollars and you know that that brings your, your cost to acquire and, and convert a 777-300ER to the, uh, the $50, $60 million range. You, know, you compare that to list prices, at least for uh, a brand new 777 production freighter, $352 million or so, according to Boeing. So there, there's quite a differential there. Um, and the, the conversion from a, from a price standpoint uh, is certainly attractive, especially for operators looking uh, for for volume, since the uh, the 300ER is is larger, um, you know, not much of a benefit on the payload side. So for general cargo operators, it will still you know see how that that does play out. Um, but as we've seen with many conversion programs, at least in in recent times, uh, it seems that once again engines will will to some extent dictate pricing. So GE 90 engines are are quite expensive, overhauls are, are not cheap, um, and you know, life-limited parts are also uh, quite pricey uh, with, with some of the more expensive parts um, hovering around $1 million per, per part. So, um, you know, that's something something that we'll be watching. And, you know, at least launch the launch customer for the program, GCAS, is we, we know that they're bringing GE Aviation into the equation um, you know, so that those, those issues are, are perhaps not as acute for, 
for, for GCAS um, with those links. Um, but we don't yet have an updated picture of where the, the economics and lease rates will land um, given the, the trajectory of 777-300ER feedstock values as many of the type remain parked um, during the, the pandemic. Looking ahead to next week, what's on tap? Well, we obviously have uh, our Cargo Facts Asia event uh, and we'll be presenting sessions there and you know, it'll be interesting to hear from from carriers, you know, because it's it's been more than a year since since we entered the pandemic situation, and you know, then I'm sure there'll be some news and developments from from this region's carriers. Yeah, I I definitely um, looking forward to it, and I, I expect you're you're right. I'll be interviewing Eddie Liu, Vice President Cargo of China Airlines. Um, on, on Monday during a, a fireside chat. And of course, as we've, we've covered extensively in Cargo Facts, China Airlines has been uh, one of the more successful cargo operators um, throughout 2021, um, really rising to the, the some of the challenges of, of the um, operations during, during the pandemic and also um, operating out of a base in, in Taiwan um, certainly has been a a major has played a major role in, in delivering semiconductors and, and whatnot. And um, there are certainly fleet developments with, with the carrier um, given the incoming triple sevens on order. So there's, there's much to discuss and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, but unfortunately that's, that's about all the time we have today uh, to those of you listening. Thank you for joining us uh, for the weekly wrap on cargo facts for more multimedia content like this, check out CargoFacts.com and search CargoFacts Connect on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 